Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You know, when you think of places like L.A., the last thing you think you need is a coffee shop. But in areas like this, there's a lot of people that drink coffee. There's just not a lot of Starbucks. There's not a lot of things you would find on every corner in every major developed area. So we just know a lot of people in the area still, and they're driving 30 to 45 minutes to go grab a cup of coffee and have a meeting. We figured we'd just bring it to them. On this episode, we traveled to Los Angeles, California, and met with AJ and Yoni, the co-founders of Hilltop Coffee and Kitchen. These gentlemen have built an empire in the coffee and restaurant game. We had the privilege of traveling to three of their locations to see the past, present, and future of their business. Uh, All right, let's get into it. It's a beautiful thing to be in this building. We've, I've driven by this building a million times since I was a little kid. I went to school. I went to Anglo Christian, half a block down the street. I'm born and raised here. AJ spent spent a lot of time here. I met Yoni when he was, um, you know, I think you were managing the the parlor on Melrose, and I was just a patron. Best sports bar in LA, hands down. What up, bro? What up, fellas? Yeah, hey. Good, how, how you? Let's see. Every time we come to LA, we always stay in this neighborhood. So it's crazy that we're here with you right now. I feel like this is bringing back so many memories. Yeah, man, we got our juice spot, we got our coffee spot, we got Runyon. Where are we at right now? We're at the parlor on Melrose. It's a high-end upscale sports bar, right? So we're trying to elevate the sports bar concept and that idea that everyone has of a sports bar, we want to take it to the next level. You said interesting backstory. You used to be a security guard? Yeah. It's a long story, long journey. I started off as security at our first uh, parlor location in Santa Monica. Um, I remember walking in the space. I was living with my uncle after high school, and I was just like, I want, I want to own something like this. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew it was going to happen. And just over time, just slowly started managing I'd stay after after hours uh, for free, learn how to count the money, just kind of pick up as much knowledge as I could. So you had the vision as a bouncer to say, I want to take <laughs> over. Not a bouncer, <laughs> security. <laughs> security, language is important. New York, we call them bouncers. Um, I was just regular. It was right when playoffs, Lakers. Lakers won that championship. Yeah. And we were just there all the time, bringing people, bringing people together, showing everybody a good time. And Yoni always showed us, she always showed us love. We became friends. We just kind of stayed close and just, you know, built like a, a, just a casual friendship and a relationship over a shared love for just, just bringing people together for real. We were able to successfully do that in the context of like, you know, your traditional West Hollywood nightlife kind of vibe that just brought like all of the stuff together as we kind of grew and evolved and wanted to create spaces that were more authentic to who we were becoming as men, as fathers, we graduated to, to being able to come back to like the area that made us. That's still a big jump from yeah. security to being an owner. How do we get there though? Cause I'm sure that there's somebody that's dreaming of actually owning an establishment that might be a security guard, might be a bartender, but they don't know how to go about it. The secret for me, it was, was the work I put in to really pick all the owners that I've worked for, pick their brains, stay after my shift, learn about the PL, learn how to control your numbers, how um, everything worked top to bottom, right? And and I did that for free. I stayed hours and hours and hours after work, and I think people noticed that. How did you go about creating your team 
for this location. The beginning of it was really, I mean, that was a struggle, right? Like this is very front loaded. You got to put in all the work and then people start to notice what you're doing and then the perception kind of brings those brings those people around you, right? Because people want to be around people that are, that, are, that are doing things and moving, right? For me, I knew that I wanted to build a restaurant group. I didn't want it to just be this one location and I needed that person to help me do that and AJ was that person to kind of help me from the marketing, fundraising side. Yeah, I feel like the locations that you've chosen are very intentional. Is one of the goals to influence or encourage more entrepreneurs to come back to their neighborhoods and do the same? For sure. I think we've set a, a good precedent having gone through the trials and tribulations of being up north of the 10 with all those other bars and, and nightclubs and really just being a number out there and having to fight through that. Being able to come back to our community and again, just adding value, I think it shows people that it's it's worth it, one, and that, and that you can do it. It's very trendsetting, right? You set the tone for the neighborhood, people follow. Obviously, the value of the neighborhood goes up. So you have Slauson, we have Melrose, we have Inglewood. Which location has been your most profitable? Slauson by far. The, the OG's been, been the most profitable. And I think it's because it's had the most impact from, from the beginning. So, where we at right now? This is the world famous Slauson Ave. This is, you are in the heart of South Los Angeles, View Park, Windsor Hills to be exact. Being where from, when we hear the word Slauson, we automatically think Nipsey. We never thought coffee. How'd you know it would work here? You know, when you think of places like LA or just big cities, you it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Last thing you think you need is a coffee shop, but in areas like this, there's a lot of people that drink coffee and there's just not a lot of Starbucks. There's not a lot of things you would find on every corner in every major developed area. We just know a lot of people in the area still and they're driving 30 to 45 minutes to go grab a cup of coffee and have a meeting. We figured we just bring it to them. This area where we're at right now on Slauson is one of the wealthiest neighborhoods for uh, black Americans in America. Yeah, Slauson Avenue connects a lot of different communities. It's like it's a major thoroughfare. It goes like the artery you know, like of South LA. It, it connects this super industrial blue collar areas, goes through these um, really culturally rich, but like often under-resourced areas. But then you kind of end up in View Park, Windsor Hills. It's, it's one of the wealthiest African-American communities in the country. So we went to the parlor. We saw the dope, dope layout, sports bar, lounge, all of the above. What made you transition to a complete 180 to a coffee shop? You know, we were just in a different part part of our lives. You know, we were in our mid twenties when we got into the parlor. Um, our, our values were a lot different. The way we spent our time was a lot different. And then as we got older, got more intentional with our business, wanted to, you know, we spent a lot of our time in coffee shops, talking about big ideas. We thought about, you know, we grew up down here. There just wasn't a lot of options, you know, mostly fast food. So we thought we'd build something that was community oriented and coffee made sense. It's not just a coffee shop, it's a community vibe. I think for us, it was like knowing who's historically been here but also recognizing that there was a stadium development happening and a lot of attention that was coming down here and the, the demographics were changing. We wanted to make sure we represented the community that's been here for decades. It was more about what coffee symbolized in terms of bringing people together um, in like a community-oriented atmosphere and the coffee and the, the good food was just kind of an added benefit. You said something that was extremely interesting to me. You said profit margins on coffee and liquor are the same. Yeah. 
I would assume that nobody would have ever thought that. <laughs> yeah. So can you break that down a little bit? A bottle of well vodka costs us $6. We get 20 drinks out of it. That's a good business to be in, right? And coffee is the same thing. The coffee shops are more of a slow grind. So you get that initial pop and then you got to let people build the routine to come into your space, right? Like just, we're all creatures of habit, right? So when you go to work, you stop at Hilltop, you grab your coffee, right? And then all of a sudden that becomes something that you do every day. And those things start to compound. And by year two, these coffee shops are, are doing numbers that we could only have dreamed of. Yeah, we'd be remiss to not mention, you know, over the past almost two years, we've been in a global pandemic. We've seen a lot of businesses close. We've seen a lot of people lose their jobs. What type of effect has it had on your business? We're very fortunate that the coffee shops have been able to kind of really survive and push through COVID. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, that first that first month was was scary. It was really scary. Having conversations with managers, trying to get through it. And our goal through COVID was to not affect anyone's pay and really try to make sure that we can keep everyone's quality of life at the same point as it was pre-COVID. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to say that we were able to actually do that. We were able to retain all of our employees. We didn't have to cut any salaries. Um, we just did everything we could to, to kind of keep the business moving forward. We did it through partnerships with Beyond Meat. Our councilman's office helped us a lot with, uh, with senior home deliveries. So we were, we're very fortunate and blessed to be in the position that we're in. I mean, on top of everything, Yoni said, I mean, we, we really lean into the community. We just immediately identify where the needs were and then identifying creative ways to rally the resources. So, you know, we have a, um, a nonprofit movement that we kind of incubated and started and launched from the parlor that we were just like, it's like a social thing that brought all of our regulars and our patrons together and all of our friends in a like alternative social type of atmosphere to have fun while giving back and feeding like food insecurity and, and people experiencing homelessness in the local community. So we really lean into the, to that ethos as a brand with Hilltop and helped partner with uh, the various councilmen's office uh, to help feed seniors that were suffering from food insecurity, working with LAUSD distribution centers uh, for kids that, whose only meals were coming from school. Um, you know, so being able to enroll other people into joining us and finding ways to keep our, our, our all of our staff and our the, really our family like employed and secure throughout such an uh, uh, arduous time and then be able to make it out, we believe it makes us better for it, you know, having gone, gone through that adversity in such an early stage of our of our life. So were there any things inside of your business that you had to make a pivot and make a quick adjustment? And what were yeah. some of those things? I think everything, but you could probably see more <laughs> than nuance. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the biggest thing was moving from the in-store sales to the online sales, going through the Uber Eats and initially losing that 30%, right? Because you had to really make up for that fee that they were charging. but. Mm -hmm. Um, luckily, we were able to. The city came through and they kind of created some rules to bring that to bring that percentage down. Um, but that was that was the toughest part is just seeing the same sales go out. But now you got to pay you got to pay significantly more for those sales. Can you do a deep dive into some of the major assets and liabilities that you face currently? This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And even, you know, in the past. I think when you start, everything's a liability, right? Because you don't have. Sh so you gotta like make do with whatever you got and you are your biggest asset. So like you take wherever, whatever your starting point is, you have to just identify what points of leverage that you have that make you rare. If it's something that you, you know, are truly passionate about and just grind it out.
very rarely do you go out in like an entrepreneurial endeavor and it ends up, you know, being what you originally envisioned it if it ever comes to life. So for us, this was just a very special concept. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't easy either. I mean, I, I remember there was a day close to the opening where I'm sitting on one of these tables working and I look out the window, didn't see a single person for hours. Mm. And I, I, was just, I put my head down, I'm like, what did we do? <laughs> like, what's, <laughs> what's happening, right? But it, I mean, it all worked out. We're from here, we know, we know what the community needed and we, we filled a gap and we filled a need and, and people, people are really happy that we're here. So this is the first location, but there's some more locations coming. Yeah, we opened our, we actually opened our uh, flagship location in downtown Inglewood, which is, you know, we, we think of, when we think of Hilltop as like a chain, we kind of think of that as our Jesus piece. You know, <laughs> it's two floors, beautiful, just like, you know, we intentionally put it there. We wanted that to be ground zero for what, what it is we're trying to do, but we very much view this as a national brand. Yeah, I think a big part is of our of our expansion is that we have a foundation that we can build off of, which makes each store cheaper and cheaper to build. And then from there, where we can we can grow, it can compound, right? We can grow much faster because that infrastructure is so strong that you don't have to go hire a ton of managers to take care of the space. You already have in-house management that can open the space, and then you hire one GM to take over it, and you're overseeing it with the people that we already have. I think our biggest asset is that liquor license. Right? <laughs> so that's the thing since day one that it's been appreciating, it's gone up in value. That's something that you hold on to. And, and by the time you're ready to sell the business, it's definitely gonna be worth more than, than what you bought it for. And it's creating this cash flow for us. So you purchased the liquor license. For how much did you purchase it for? About 50 grand all in. How much is it worth right now? A little over a hundred. It's like an asset. Yeah. And you can actually sell that to the next person. Yeah. When they come, they have to buy it for the going rate. If we were to sell this location or this lease, that liquor license would stay here and that person would pay us for the liquor license and the lease. So you spoke about a huge asset, which is a liquor license. That was something I would not even think about as an asset. Um, what is a liability? People. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's a gift and a curse to have a space this large, but having a lot of intoxicated people walking around, I mean, there's, there's a lot of liability there. There's, there's a lot of bad things that can happen, right? So that's why, I mean, we try to mitigate that by having security on. Um, and always keeping our eyes on the floor, but you can't stop bad things from happening. So the liquor license is a gift and a curse. 100%. Because if people get drunk, yeah. <laughs> then they start breaking yep. the furniture. Yep. All right, so you did a wonderful job on the first two brands, but I hear rumors that you're not stopping there, new location. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity down here, and uh, we, we've had some ideas and been brainstorming. Uh, we actually have one under construction that's right down the way if you guys want to come check it out. Let's do it. So this is a space. Oh wow, it's amazing. How big is this? Uh, about 6,000 square feet. 6,000. Six yeah. yeah. Sheesh. This, uh, this little mezzanine over here, private dining room upstairs. We'll have some live music on the stage over here. This is kind of the view right here. So you walk in and you'll see that private dining room upstairs. How is it for you to actually see something like this? Are you mentally envisioning how it looks already in your brain? Yeah. A lot of the things that we do is like, we think about what we want to accomplish in the space and the feeling that we want to create for the people that are going to be there. And because like the, the, this area deserves a venue like this. A lot of these things exist in places like West Hollywood or, you know, Soho or Chelsea or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like places like that have these, they're a dime a dozen. You come south of the 10 freeway, they're just not as frequent. So for us, we wanted to kind of instill that vibe and that energy and kind of intentionally build that for this community. So AJ, I love I love what you said about setting the decor and the vibe because, you know, me, I'm a restaurant connoisseur, not just for the food, but the ambiance, the vibe, the music, everything. And it's like thinking about it, why can't we have a neighborhood restaurant 
that has that same kind of core and the vibe. Why does it always have to be like fast food or just get your food and go? We were reading up on uh, Central Avenue. So Little East is like the, the heart of South Central back in the 1920s when, um, you know, non-white people weren't really allowed to go to any entertainment venues in Beverly Hills or Hollywood. So a lot of that would come down here. So you'd have like your, your Cab Calloways, your Miles Davises, all these people that wouldn't be allowed to perform at the Beverly Hills Hotel would have to come and hang out on Central Avenue. As we know, it's areas like South LA where a lot of this culture is born, places like Harlem where a lot of this culture is born. And then it, by the time it gets, you know, makes its way to more developed areas and, and spreads to the rest of the world, it gets watered down and these places aren't. Hey y'all, what's up? It's Devin here from Money Honeys. If you're a fan of learning about your business and finances through storytelling and pop culture, then you gotta be sure to check out and subscribe to Money Honeys, a show that covers the nitty gritty of maintaining your personal wealth through fun conversation. And you know what? It's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. Credited with originating those ideas. So that's something we wanted to kind of bring that energy here for like the next generation. Our idea is like we could create something in the community that represents the community that's been here, that speaks to them and their values and the things that they want to experience. Congratulations, gentlemen. Thank you. Above anything else, this is truly inspiring to see your journeys coming from humble beginnings to uh, where you are now. You guys are really making it happen. So how, how does it feel to be living in your purpose and living in your dream. It's great to wake up every morning and have a purpose and, and know why, know what your why is. I think uh, a big part of everything that we've done with the Hilltops is, again, just being able to add value to these neighborhoods and just being able to walk in and see the faces and, and just know that everyone appreciates us being here is, I mean, money can't buy that. One of the things that I find very interesting about your locations is that you partner with a lot of well-known celebrities. You know, we had a lot of day ones that were just friends of ours that are people that we grew up with or knew socially. And out of the gate, um, we were super fortunate to just get a lot of love from the local community. But then, you know, the product spoke for itself and we were fortunate to attract even, you know, even more people, one of them being Issa Rae. Um, who's a, a South LA local, lives in the community, has a hit show that's set in the community, puts on for South LA and Inglewood in a way that, you know, only she can do. I've always wanted a coffee shop in my neighborhood. Like coffee shops facilitate productivity in so many ways. They facilitate collaboration. And I personally have done all of my writing in coffee shops. So it always disappointed me that there weren't any that were black owned, that were even people of color owned in my neighborhood. And so to hear that they had started this in View Park was just like, this is a dream come true. I have to be a part of this. And then now to have the Inglewood location, I'm just immensely proud because it's home. And I just feel like it's so important to have these spaces where you feel safe, where you can be creative and to have a sense of comfort, to know that it's your space. So what did the impact of the scene of them in here have on the business itself? The, the cultural impact that Insecure has had, it, it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, when Kanye touches a, a rapper, you know, they be, they're instantly anointed. It's just one of those things, the validation for what we're already doing. And obviously it's on us to be able to maintain the excellence of the product. But like, we're extremely grateful for that. Funding, when you first started. So before you was able to get celebrities, this is something that is a major hurdle for entrepreneurs. This is something that stops, especially people in our community. They have ideas, they have dreams, but they don't have the money. So how did you guys go about getting funding? I mean, I think for us, that's for everyone, that's the biggest hurdle, right? It's you got, everyone's got a great idea, but where do you, how do you, how do you make it happen? Um, we got a lot of no's, like a lot of no's. Like we, 
it's it's actually kind of impressive how many how many knows we got and we just kept pushing right for us we just we were very fortunate for spencer pacinger was the one that really took the the risk on us and if it wasn't for him taking that risk we wouldn't be sitting in this space right so he took that initial I, I believe in you guys i trust you guys i think you guys know what you're doing you need that you need that initial yeah. initial go ahead you need that initial green light and then everyone else starts to feel comfortable so you want private financing yeah individuals off the bat here you don't really have the options i mean everybody talks about debt and they talk about sba this it's just it's not set up for most people to be able to access so hilltop is more than a coffee shop yeah right? it's more than two guys who are entrepreneurs who came back to the neighborhood what's the overall vision for the future world domination <laughs> like pinky in the brain pinky in the brain <laughs> which one is pinky which one is... i mean I, th I think big vision is obviously like i think brick and mortar was our entry point we believe that they're scalable we believe there's demand for them um, we were fortunate enough to get named by nation's restaurant news is like one of the best breakout brands of 2020, best position post-pandemic. And we're just a small little coffee chain here in South LA. What's your mission statement with Hilltop? With Hilltop specifically, the just do it to our Nike is we're for the climb. Like we want to be rooted in, in your daily ritual. We understand what coffee and community and food can do for creativity and like just connection overall with yourself and like your immediate surroundings. So we think about the climb as something that connects all of us as human beings, right? We all have very different interests and different journeys, but we're all aspiring towards something. What we represent, it's finding your hilltop and everything that you do is, is for the client. I'm encouraged, I'm inspired. The pride and the passion that you guys have for the community and for your work is extremely inspiring. Much success moving forward. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. you, man. Thank you guys for having us. I'm your host, Dr. Shonda. And Chanel. And we're here from the Double Dose Podcast. We are one set of twins. With two different perspectives. We both have faced many challenges in career, life, and relationships. And we are transparent about how we've relied on our faith to overcome them. If you want to hear us discuss current events, pop culture, and relationships, and everything else in between, tune in to the Double Dose Podcast. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network. Anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. <laughs>